I always count it a great honor to come to this church because the Word of God is so rich here. And uh, I rejoice in that. In the days we're living in, that's what the one most important thing that we need is the Word of God. Amos, if you've got your Bibles with you tonight, turn over to the book of Amos. And then we're going to go to Second Kings. But let me read a few verses here. <laughs> Father, just open our hearts and our minds to receive what you want to say, Lord. Not what we think or what we assume, but, oh, Lord, just what you want to say. Because you are the author and the finisher of all things. We commit everything tonight into your hands in Jesus' name. Amos 8 and verse 11. Praise the Lord. We're so familiar with all the teachings on the end time and earthquakes and different things, you know, and truth falling in the street is one of the things, the truth becoming a lie and a lie becoming the truth. We're going to look at another aspect Perhaps you haven't thought of this before, and perhaps you have. But look at verse 11. Amos 8, verse 11. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. A famine. Not a famine of bread or thirst, water. There's plenty of food for everybody, even where it's seven billion people. It's the distribution is the fact, man's greed. There's plenty of everything. But this famine that Amos is speaking about here, but, the, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I'll send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread or thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Not a famine of the words of the Lord. Did you notice that? It's not a famine of the words of the Lord. The Bible is still the best-selling book of, of all time. Today, there's millions of churches all over the whole wide world preaching. So there's plenty of the Word of God. But the famine will be this one, hearing. The ability to hear the Word of the Lord. The ability to hear. Jesus kept saying in his earthly ministry and then in the book of Revelation to he who has ears to hear. I'm not talking about physical ears. It's not just general hearing, but it's hearing the word to you personally. Because there's so many voices. Another famous scripture, we don't have probably have time to turn to it, but let me refer to it just briefly. It's in Isaiah 66 6. You can remember that 666, Isaiah, okay? Um the voice from the city, the voice from the temple, and then the voice of the Lord. They all have something to say. The voice from the city speaks of industry, finance. In fact, if you talk about the city, they talk about the financial capital of a famous city like London or New York or somewhere. Or maybe it's China now, I don't know. <laughs> And the voice, they all have something to say, the voice from the city. 
legitimate voice from the city is our jobs, our careers, our, our, our responsibility of earning a living and everything. They have something to say. The voice from the temple, that's the religious life. That's the so-called spiritual life. They've all something to say. There's voices everywhere. Just bear with me a little as I reflect on one or two things here. Whenever I went a few years ago to Donegal, not to the church we're in now at the moment, but to Donegal Town to take a meeting for the full gospel businessmen. Incidentally, I was never asked back. I'm outside. I knew the message was of significance, like tonight's message is significant. I knew they had something to say, and I didn't want to say it. In that instance, I was out at the back of the place, and I'm arguing, you know. I'm saying, Lord, if I say this, I can hear the telephones calling. I can hear all the churches calling. Don't get Willie Dick, he's negative. <laughs> Don't have anything to do with him. Then a strange thing happened. God didn't speak to me in an audible voice. He speaks, you know, in many ways. One way is in, a de- in an inner voice. You hear the still small voice. And sometimes it's an inner impression. You know what the inner impression the Lord gave me? You don't have to say it. But don't expect ever to hear from me again. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll go out and I'll say it. I talked about the Trojan horse and how the Trojan horse of Christian television has brought into the body of Christ the greatest error that's ever been brought into the body of Christ. And I mentioned the names of the preachers and what they believed, the ones who believed that Jesus had to be born again. And I split that church right down, that meeting right down the, down the middle. One half hated me. I used to go and preach in their churches and they said, don't come near us, we don't want anything. And they never have contacted me again. The other group, I'm in Donegal town tonight. My wife and I pastor in a church because I stood up and I said what God told me to say. And the other group heard what I said and they embraced it. And afterwards the pastor and his dear wife came over and said, you must come to our church and preach. So we, uh, for a about three years we did that. Then we got a call a year and a half ago saying, come up, we want to see you. And then they said, we're going to retire to America. Will you take over the church? And it was a unanimous decision by the members of the church for us to go up. All because I obeyed God and all because one group, a group of people heard. There's a famine of hearing well, that's only Sunday night, or that's just Pastor David, or that's just this person or that person. Nice thought, keep it short, keep it compact, three points, and then let's go home. Don't come. You've got to come with an attitude. I'm going to hear what God's saying to me. Amen. The voice from the city, the voice from the temple, And the voice from the Lord, God's voice is always different. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. He didn't say lambs. He said sheep. 
the sheep would, the lambs, sorry, would hear it, but it would mean very little to them. Whenever I was a lamb, at the very beginning, 43 years ago, I was a lamb. And the promises I got, I didn't fully appreciate them. But his grace was sufficient to stay with us until they got to the place where we turned into his sheep, mature. And I'm looking at a bunch of sheep who's matured and who hear and, get discern, and can discern the word of God. Amen. Amen. The famine of being able to hear, being able to hear and receive it. Second Kings chapter 2. I'm going to move on a wee bit, folks. Second Kings chapter 2. There's four places in this chapter highly significant in Israel's history and they're highly symbolic to stages also in the Christian life. They mean something, these four stages. And I count it a great honor to be here, I tell you the truth, because I respect David Gowdy immensely. So I want you to bear with me. I'm a bit, maybe a bit different than David, but just bear with me anyway. The first place it came to pass in chapter 2, verse 1, when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, and Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. The first place is Gilgal. Gilgal means separation. The separation. The separation. You may remember 1 Kings 19, 19, when uh, Elisha was out there with the 12 yoke of oxen. You remember that? And he's plowing, doing his work. He was a farmer. He was plowing, he had 12 yokes of oxen, and there they were, uh, 24 oxen, and he was of the last two. And along came a man, and he just passed by him. I, I, can I tell you there's something tonight? You would be safe for driving a million miles just to meet a man who had something from God, who had something of eternity, and who walked with a spirit of not only excellency, but a spirit in touch with God. Totally different than the vast majority of even men so-called of God. But Elisha passed by, uh, sorry, Elijah passed by Elisha. And you know what Elisha did? Uh, this isn't the title, but I was just thinking this up, you know, just between ourselves. He burned his plow and he ate the cow. <laughs> He burned the, cow, the, the plow and he ate the... Anyway. He made no provision to go back. If you're going to follow God, you can't do it with an attitude of, well, if this doesn't work out, we have always got this escape, escape plan. You never get anywhere with God. I'm speaking to mature people, and I think I'm reinforcing things that you already know. So just bear with me a little. I'm reinforcing things you already know. 
And as he went past here, we're right up to chapter 2 now, Gilgal, the place of separation. And uh, that was the initial on this journey, the initial step here. And then he came to the second part in the next verse. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went to Bethel. Bethel, Beth means house. El means God. The house of God. The house of God. Amen. And then later on, he called it the God of the house of God. You know, the house, you know, familiarity can breed contempt. You know that? It's an old saying. You get so familiar sitting in the same seat, going at the same time, knowing everything that's going to happen. You get so familiar with it. You lose the impact of it. Do you know that? Do you realize that? You could actually get so familiar with godly things, legitimate things, good things. And it brings a famine. It brings a famine. You see, God's in Northern Ireland, believe it or not. Flags or no flags. God's in Northern Ireland. God's even in Moira. You know, God's even in the church here. Right tonight. And something more than that, God's inside you. And me, if you know God, if you know the Lord as your Savior, he is living on the inside of you. Yeah, hurry up. Will he get to tell us something else? No. That's enough to start with. In fact, you know the truth, folks, is that should be enough to end with. We should be saying, go home now. The meeting's over. When we have the full revelation that Almighty God, with all his greatness and all his ability and everything he is, his love and mercy and grace and his power and everything Almighty God is, the creator of all things, lives and resides not only in your house but in your soul. Oh, hallelujah. And no wonder David, uh, Paul could say, nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall separate us from the love of Christ. Isn't it absolutely incredible? Nothing, no separation. The whole book of Romans, uh, chapter 8 is no condemnation at the beginning and no separation at the end. And in the middle of summer, all things work together for good. <laughs> Bethel, the house of God. We're going to look tonight at a few comments regarding the house of God. And how important the house of God is. Here's four points. What is there? What to have? what it's not, and what to watch. Bethel, the house of God, the local church. The local church, because God has ordained to meet the sheep's need who are here through the local church. And the first thing we see in the local church is the worst, is the most important person. You say, the Lord, yes, of course. But on a human level, the most important person in the church 
at Moira or Letterkenny or anywhere else is the Domatol a prophets, prophets, a past, a was it apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, the person that God has planted over that local church. This is the first thing that's in the local church. And that person has not only, like you and I, we have to answer to God for ourselves whenever we get up there, but the person who God has planted in the local church to be the domatol, he has to answer not only for himself, he has to answer for everybody else that he ministers to. Awesome responsibility that he has the mind of the Lord and he knows which way the church is going, yes, but he has the mind of the Lord for that service. I referred back again, let me refer back again to that one in Donegal Town, the full gospel businessmen. I had to have at that point in time the mind of God for that meeting. And God has planted in the local church the domatol. And uh, let, me, let me read a, a comment that I wrote down here from uh, um, Strong's Concordance. It's number 1390. It's a gift. Domatol is a gift expressing the generosity of Christ's character. The domatol is a gift to you here, expressing the generosity of Christ's character. And the, the Ephesians 4, 8 is the, where it refers to the apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The first person you see, the first person you see when you come to the local church is the pastor because he's in contact with God. Everything else is supportive. He is the most important. He's more important than all your financial assets. He's more important than your partner or your wife, your husband. He is the most important person in your life because he's God's contact with you to have the mind of God, what God wants to say to you. And he can say more by accident than most people can say on purpose. Thank God for David Gowdy here. A dome at all, you know what they are? They're, they're not perfect, but they're perfect. They've given up their lives. They are dead men. They were sitting years ago, dead men on furlough. have died to yourself. It's no longer you that lives. Elisha, he, he, he slew the animals. He, he made no provision for failure. He died to himself. And he said this, and I said this 40 years ago. I said this, let God arise. Let God arise and take over everything. I want God's way, no, nobody else's way. I want to hear from God. I want to hear from heaven. I want to do all that God wants me to do. I want to be the vessel that God wants to use. And he uses imperfect vessels. But the perfection comes not from the vessel being good and perfect, and they should be to the best of their ability, but the, 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 the ability comes from as a gift from God. Hallelujah. He's the most important link that you've got between you and the Lord. And we come to Bethel quickly. We're not going to bog down me. There's a whole lot of scriptures I could give you, but we're not going to do that. It's a place where you get your soul fed. Not only do you get your intellect in, informed, but you're supposed to get your soul fed. 
Someone years ago saw a, a vision of all these skeletons going into a church and turning around and coming back out of the church after an hour, and there were still skeletons. You know, up there, I don't know where the Dunn stores. If they had a great big sign said, fantastic sale, you know, we've got everything that you will ever need. And they have a fantastic car park and it's full of cars and there's people getting out and going in to see this fantastic store with all, everything. And there's lovely people, lovely dressed, walking up and down. Can we help you? Can we help you? They had everything, but there's nothing on the shelves. It's empty. There's never been once in these 40 years that I had occasion to come to Moira that I didn't get something through David Gowdy. Did you hear me? Something for my soul. You need to hook up with somebody who has a contact with God. And I did that years ago in Faith Tabernacle, years ago also. But I got my soul fed. And listen, I'm 70, folks. I'm not 18. And, but something has been going in there for 70 years. So when God presents an opportunity ordained by him, you're in a position to embrace it. God's, God's work on every single person, making them into what, not perfect, but making them into what he wants. He is the potter and we are the clay. And there was, there was times we're on the top of the mountain and there wasn't times in our lives when the mountain was on top of us and we found that we could not, there was nobody else could help us. No one. All the doors were closed. Everything was over. It was good night. It's all over. But like Paul on that boat, there stood by me this night, the angel of the Lord, whose I am and whom I serve, Paul said. And you must appear before Caesar, Paul was told. You get to the place, folks, and sometimes... Bear with me just a little. Sometimes you're taken into that place by the Lord where nobody else can help you. That's the greatest place on the face of this earth to be. That is the most wonderful. When eventually you let go of everything and you have no support from any quarter and there's absolutely nobody can help you, but something has been going on in the inside of you. The word of God, when you knew it was happening and when you didn't know it was happening, it was going in there, it was putting something in the reservoir so whenever the water run dry, whenever the mountain was on top of you, you had something to come through that, hallelujah. And you learned so much by coming through difficult situations. You knew that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So it's not just a dead theology. It's a living relationship with a person. And you get that not by in and out and up and down and high God, by God. You get that by coming and getting uh, to the place where you surrender your life and you want your soul fed and God starts putting it in. Can you understand what I'm shouting about? It's just more, this is the most important thing that a child of God could do is get to church and hear the word of God. Get your soul fed. Don't be a spiritual skeleton. And another thing, what's this? What 
What is that? What's he doing? Here's a flock of sheep, right? And here's the first wee sheep. It's going to experiment something. It's a hole in the head, so it goes, oh, and it's a cliff. So what does the rest do? Stay away from the cliff. No. No, the rest did. We'll do the same. If one falls over, all the sheep fall over. I remember, folks, between you and me, nobody else listening, I hope. I got, I got this church was a guest speaker, and I said, let's all stand. Don't, don't do it. And they all stood. And then I said, repeat after me. Yes. We're sheep. Sheep. Sheep are led and sheep are fed. The shepherd's responsibility is to feed a sheep and lead a sheep. That's what they're doing. That's what, that's what a sheep is. So you're a sheep. And somebody knows better about the, the feed where it is and where the water and everything is than we do. So we're followers. Andy, bless his heart, give me this suit. It's just a touch too big for me. The suit, see, down there with my knuckles. Just a touch. It's all right around the waist, mind you, but just, just a touch around here. What are you saying? This is an old statement. You've got to wear the coat that fits you. And if anything, a lot of the teaching that, that you hear in some quarters is they try to make you unsatisfied with what you have. If you have a bigger this or a bigger that and you're a more beautiful person here and you've got this, then you'll be really happy. It's all a bunch of nonsense, folks. All you need to do is not follow the sheep that's falling over the edge of the cliff. Say, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. <laughs> I want my soul fed. And that's so at Bethel, you meet with God. El Bethel, you meet with God. You meet with the God of the house of God. The God of the house of God. You all know this. I'm maybe just blowing the cobwebs away and that's appreciated a wee bit more. You meet with God at the house of God. That's why we come. That's why we come. We're not, quote, doing the God thing. Sundays we do the God thing. You know, half an hour or an hour. You know, no, no, we're going to meet with God. It's like when you ask somebody to pray and the Lord bless them, they can pray a nice prayer. And, and, and it's a blessing with it. But then there's prayer. There's prayer, which is totally different. There's prayer that touches heaven. There's prayer that moves man. And it moves the God of this universe, almighty God. There's prayer that moves God. Have you ever been in the presence of somebody, and whenever they prayed, heaven came down, and glory fill your soul. You want to be there all the time. Hallelujah. Very quickly, you're a member of the church, the ecclesia, the outcalled ones called out from this. You're not your own. You don't belong to yourself. This is all in Bethel. You don't belong to yourself. You're the member of the ecclesia. You're a dead person. You're living, but you're dead. Why? Because he's getting us ready, folks. The big deal is not in the past. 
the big deal is what's just up ahead. We're going to hear the trumpet of the Lord shall sound. And then time will be no more. And that big angel set one foot on the land and one foot on the sea and declare that time is no more. It's all over. Hallelujah. He is coming back. This same Jesus, as you see, go. He's coming back. Keep short accounts. Don't have anything that you can't let go of at a moment's notice. He's getting us ready. And we're going to hear the word Maranatha. The Lord cometh. That's the, what's at the house of God? Another thing I said, what to have at the house of God? This isn't a lecture. This is 42 years and two and a half hours. (laughs) The first thing you've got to have when you come to the house of God is this, a teachable spirit. A teachable spirit. Whenever I got saved, after a few weeks, I knew everything. I knew, I knew it all. I had all the answers. I'm saying it for you because I know you are all the same. <laughs> and then eventually you go along, but you know what real maturity is? When you realize, real maturity is when you realize you know nothing. You know absolutely nothing. Nothing. And except he helps you, you are not going to get any help. But the good news is he, he's a specialist. He can, there's a scripture, you know, in Mark, at the end of Mark, it says, if you drink any deadly thing, listen to me, if you drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm you. 40 years ago, I had drunk deadly thing, but it did me no harm. I made a mistake. Now you're wondering what it is. It's none of your business, but anyway. <laughs> Because I'm the only one that ever made a mistake. Isn't that right? No, the rest of you are all liars. <laughs> we all make mistakes, but it had no effect. Listen to me. It had no effect on my spiritual walk with God. What he had designed to happen in my life happened in my life. Hallelujah. I met Evelyn for a start. Amen. 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 But what he had designed to happen in my life happened. Mistakes and all, warts and all, failures and all. And that's the greatest place to be. You know what the greatest place to be? It's to realize that you're a beggar. And you cannot help yourself. But you have to depend on somebody who has the ability to help you. And you have to do that continually. Not once off, not one time 20 years or 40 years ago, but every day you've got to live with this thought in mind. God, please help me. David, I used to drive that van around on the TVs and all. On my old thing, Martin was driving that thing. I go, God, my, my prayer was very simple. Please, God, help me. God, help me. God help me. Well, he did help me. He got me somewhere else. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Martin. 
It's a great place to be. Self-sufficiency is sin. Self-sufficiency. Your greatest asset is your weakness and you realize how you cannot cope on your own. Boys and tears, that would take the pressure of some people if they would receive it. It's not up to me or my performance and how good I am. It's all up to him and his grace and his love and his mercy and his power and his ability to do things. Hallelujah. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Righteousness imputed to you as a gift whenever you realize you have right standing with Almighty God. These things are in here and I cannot apologize for them. The one out, you realize that you've got right standing with Almighty God, not based upon anything that you did, but based upon His grace, His love, His mercy, and He took the first step to make you in right standing with Him. Words and all. Words and all. Oh, I've got to be perfect, and I've got to be perfect. I've got to have everything, you know, all the T's stroked and the I's dotted and everything perfect. You'll end up a nervous wreck. I knew a dear man, and he, every week his, his daughter used to have to take him to the hospital for injections because he's nervous, and he was a preacher. He was nervous, nervous, because he was living, trying to live the Christian life in his own ability. You can't do it, folks. Come on to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. That's not talking about physical labor. It's talking about laboring to receive a right relationship with God based upon our perfection. All you who labor and are heavy laden, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. There remains a rest. You enter into a rest, a rest of Almighty God given to you as a gift from Almighty God, a relationship with Him, and there's peace begins to rule in your life. It's wonderful. Having a teachable spirit. And the other one, that's the same long on these. Be faithful, commitment. Commitment's a powerful thing. Commitment, it's almost a dirty word. Are you hungry? I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about food. I'm to, the house of God is where you get soul food, I've talked about there, food for your soul. But it comes out of a heart that's hungry. I am not satisfied. Are you satisfied, saved and stuck? This is all afar. And the Lord will allow us to do it, folks. The Lord will allow us to stay at this level. This is all the depth of, I, of this relationship I want. I got up to my knees and I'm not going any further. I want waters to swim in. He's able to do, is this, is this truth or not? He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or even think. Just commitment, just say yes, Lord. Here's another thing, I'm going on quickly now. I have an expectant spirit, expectant, expectancy. Confident, continual expectation to live in a, live in an attitude of expectancy. Stay me with flagons, comfort me with apples, maintain me with the usual diet, and then give me a great big red juicy apple. 
In other words, sustain me with the usual every day, every day, every day, and then surprise you. And God has a wonderful way of surprising you. God has a wonderful way. If you live in a constant state of expectation, these things have been exploited by a whole lot of preachers, but I'm not going to let them have it. We're not going to throw the baby out with a bathwater. To live in a constant state of expectancy. I'm expecting divine intervention. I'm expecting help from heaven when I need it. Is this all right? To live in, whenever you read God's word, God's going to speak to me. Oh, God spoke to me 40 years ago. Has he said anything yet? Uh, since that, no. Well, what were you expecting? Well, one day I'm going to heaven. In the meantime, he can speak every day. Oh, I'm not talking about something ridiculous. But I, I, you live in a constant state of expectancy. God can do more in 30 seconds than you can in 30 years. Divine intervention. Be hungry. The house of God, four things. What it's not. What it's not. It's not based upon numbers. Its success is based upon numbers. We are into numbers. Numbers. Everybody's into numbers, isn't it? The bigger crowd you had, the better meeting you had. Ain't necessarily so. Ain't necessarily so. Where the twos or threes are gathered by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. There he is. Numbers is, makes no difference. It, numbers don't impress anybody. I'd rather have quality rather than quantity. I remember we, Evelyn and I went down with another three or four people, went down to a certain church a number of years ago, way down Dundalk. And <laughs> it's one of those. Anyway, what happened was the preacher was preaching. He was from somewhere in America. And the pastor says, I want you to pray over them two down there. And he, looks, he points down at us and he says, Oh, saith the Lord, you're going to go to small numbers. That don't impress me much. Big numbers don't impress me at all. No, God's looking for quality, not quantity. Quality, not quantity. Another thing in the house of God, what it's not, it's not for entertainment. It's not for entertainment. It's not for the feel-good factor. You're supposed to receive, reprove, rebuke, exhort. Reprove, correction, instruction, and of course exhorting. Build you up. You know the way you do it? You build somebody up, then you hit them, and then you build them back up again. <laughs> it's, I, my friend, I was all tempted to go down there, but I, I can't. But my friend is the person who stands and he waves a red flag. Faithful are the wounds of a friend faithful and he waves a red flag and he's trying to stop me and I'm flying down the road at 70 mile an hour and he's in the middle of the road trying to stop me and eventually he stops me he's my friend when he tells me the bridge is gone and if you'd been going at 75 mile an hour you'd have been in eternity and whenever you do that friends you run the risk of losing a friend because offense is a powerful enemy People get offended so easy. 
But this is all part of the house of God. <laughs> Correction, instruction. It's all part of it. Let your conversation be with grace, seasoned with salt. We don't like the salt, should we don't? My best friend tells me, Willie, what are you doing? I don't agree with what you're doing. And I said, I could get offended at that. But I receive that, and I, I am the better of it. And our relationship is the better of it. Anyway, here's the last one. Somebody say, praise the Lord. <laughs> this is an old statement. You've, all, you've heard this before in the house of God. You know these things. I'm only reinforcing them. Be a builder, not a bomber. You know, the suicide bombers, whenever they go in to build, blow something up, they die themselves. Be a builder, not a bomber. <laughs> Homologia, H-O-M-O-L-O-G-I-A, is a great Greek word. It's saying the same as. It's words saying the same as. They were going to build the Tower of Babel, so whenever they had half constructor or whatever degree they were building there, God says, let's go down and destroy it. They're all of one language. Even God recognized that they had the ability to build something which was wrong by the words of their mouth. This is the greatest church in Northern Ireland. We are blessed. Every time we go there, we hear from God. Every time we go there, we come out, we could take on the world. I remember years ago, you went to church because you knew you were going to get something in your soul that would help you out through the next day or the next week. And that's what you do. You destroy it so easy by the words of our mouth. Homologia is saying the same as, say the same as God has says. Amen. Anyway, the enemy's tactics. Now, this is a simple little one. Just, just telling you to watch this. This will happen to every one of us, every single one of us, if it hasn't already done so. The devil will put something against in your life, in your heart, against the very avenue Almighty God has designed to give you the greatest blessing of your life through. Do you understand that? The person who God has designed to be a great channel of blessing to you, the devil will put something in your heart to sever the relationship, to get you away offside so that you will miss what God had got for you. And you know, being in a pastoral situation, I have seen it for years. The very avenue that God would use, say the pastor, and we're talking in Domatol like this, at this point, the, the person that God would use to be a great blessing to you, the devil put in your heart against them. That surprise you? That shouldn't surprise you. You have to be aware of the devil's tactics. 
You see, error comes into the body of Christ on the back of truth. And it looks almost right. It looks as if it's right, but it's error with a sprinkling of truth over it. I, I'm amazed when I see some people who watch some of these characters on TV. Do they not really, really, really? But they mention Jesus and they mention God and the kingdom of God and how to be an overcomer and how to do this. But do you not realize I could give you a list of names? I'm not going to do it. I could give you a list of names. They all believe that Jesus had to be saved. He had to be born again. Did you know that? Here's your, here's your Clifford. Here is the the potatoes, the, the steak, the Brussels sprouts, the gravy, the whole lot. Oh, just, 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 just one little thing. It doesn't really mean, mean much, but just, just, just about the, you know, just a little bit. There's arsenic in it. We don't know where it is, but it's in there. Would you eat it? No, of course you wouldn't. I thought, it used to be everybody was innocent until they're proven guilty. Now everybody's guilty until they prove they're innocent. I'm just giving you a warning. Watch that the devil doesn't use some little thing to sever, sever your relationship with the very instrument that he would be used of God to bring a blessing into your life. These other things, these other cowboys, they're so obvious, they're con men and, and all the rest of it. Don't say that, Willie. Well, I'm saying it anyway. <laughs> two hours to come here, and if you don't want me back, it's only a two-hour journey. <laughs> I... Tell you the truth, folks, two, three weeks ago, I was in a, in a church setting in England, and I could hardly stand on my feet with the power of God before I went up to speak to 40 big shots. Pastors, English, Jewish, American, and they asked me to speak. But you know the wonderful prescription the Lord gave me? Lean not on your own under understanding. Just do as you're told. Deliver the message. You're only the postman delivering the message. It's my message to this group. And it's God's message to this group here. Make sure that you don't die of famine, of not grasping the word of God for you personally. Words of life. I wish I could sing. I would sing oh, wonderful words, beautiful words, words of life. You know that chorus, don't you? Him, chorus. Evelyn knows it. Beautiful words, words of life. That's about us all. Time's up. Time's up. May have a little lot more, but we're not going to look at it. As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, verse 2, I will not leave thee. He tried to, Elisha was attesting Elijah to see if Elijah, or no, Elijah was testing uh, Elisha to see if Elisha had what it takes. To follow him. He was giving him every opportunity to turn back. 
So they went down to Bethel. The sons of the prophets, they were at Bethel. They came to Elisha and said unto him, verse 3, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from my head today? There was a master, and then the pupil sat at his feet and taken away his head actually means he's going to remove the influence of his master and he is going to be there himself. So they went down to Bethel and the sons of the prophets said at Bethel, do you not know that the Lord's going to take away your master from your head today? And he said, yes, I know it. Hold your peace. I have counted the cost. I have made up my mind. I am not going back. I am not going back. That's what he's saying. There's a cost to follow Christ. I understand that too. And I'm telling you the truth is, don't turn back. For frankly, there's nothing to go back to. A backslider is a person who knows the truth but doesn't do the truth. Solomon was a backslider. He backslid. That's why he said, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. He, he had turned away from God. He would too if he had a thousand women in the harem. A thousand women. And all that wealth and all that influence and all that money and everything else. He says, vanity of vanities, it's all vanity. I don't care, precious brother and sister in Christ, how hard it is, how difficult it is. It's a million times worse without him. A million times worse without him. He may be the only friend you will ever have. Don't fall out with him. Don't blame him. Somebody said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to tell God all about it. I'm going to want, I want to know why this and why that. No, you'd be so t taken up with his wonderful presence that you'll forget all that garbage. Don't fall out with Jesus. Don't fall out with him. No matter what the road is like, no matter how difficult it may appear to be, because we're not staying. The command was given whenever the, the team, the, the soldier arrived on this island. They, they were told, you can put up the tents for tonight, but don't drive the stakes in too far, for we're not staying here. I believe in God's prosperity, God's blessing. I believe it. But we mustn't drive the stakes in too far. It has its place. It has its role in the life of a child of God. God wants to bless you, yes. Providing. When the trumpet calls, you're going to let go of it. And you'll be gone. Hallelujah. That's how to live a successful life. Any second. The trumpet could call and were absent from the body and present with the Lord. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair, 
when all the saints of earth will gather over on the other shore. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. I'll be there. Keep coming to the church. Keep listening to David. Obey what God has told you. Somebody said, they get, I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm a Christian and I'm bored. You know why you're bored? Very, very simple. You're bored because you're not doing what God told you to do. When you start doing what God told you to do through the servant of God who tells you to do it, then you'll not be bored anymore. I want something else. That's, that's not favorable. That's not what I want. Do you think I want to go to Letter Kenny? This is a joke, so you can laugh after I tell you. <laughs> God always sends you where you don't want to go. So I do not want to go to Hawaii. I'm just letting you know up front. But you have no say, and I have no say. And he'll lead us into situations that there's no way out. I was in situations years ago. There was no way out. But he is the way, the truth, and the life. And you come out of that and you say, thank God I went through that. Because going through that, I learned so much about him and his ways. And I died to my ways. Even I thought they were God's ways. They were my ways. Lord, we thank you for your love and your grace and your love is beyond measure and your grace is exceeding abundant above all we ask or even think. We thank you for this place, for all the members of this beautiful church. We salute them, dear God, and their faithfulness and their love and their respect for their pastor. I thank you for that and I thank you for the example they make to the body of Christ. And Pastor David makes to the body of Christ a man of integrity. Lord, bless him and Sally and Claire and Mark over there, Lord. Let the blessing of the Lord be mightily upon them. And I ask you to bless everybody here in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.